All right, let me ask you a question. How would you guys define the word freedom? Be able to do what you want to do the way you want to do it. That's a good definition. You know, I think about that word freedom, and I think about the culture that we live in, that we've grown up in, and it's very tempting for us to define the word freedom in terms of choice. So we think freedom is my ability to choose to do whatever I want to do or to choose to take or receive whatever I want to take or receive. But I want to argue with you, at least from a biblical perspective, that that's not freedom at all. So I thought about a silly example to kind of help make the point. I can think about, so you have a cable package, you have DirecTV, you have Dish TV, whatever. How many of you have ever sat down in an evening or a Saturday afternoon, there's no college football, you know, this, this is one of the worst times of the year. There's no football, there's no baseball, you know, the local basketball team's terrible. Like, I, I can't, I just call it like I see it. And you're looking for something to watch, and you've got 200 channels, right? More choices than you know what to do with. And you start scrolling. And then you realize at some point, 45 minutes have gone by, and you've just been scrolling. Or if I were doing this with our students, you're on TikTok, and you're just scrolling through videos, and there's thousands and millions of choices. And you think because of all those choices, you've got freedom. But then at some point along the way, you realize that you have really received nothing, but you have been trapped. So I want to argue with you or to you that, that freedom has nothing to do with all the choices. What freedom is, is the ability to no longer be trapped. And from a biblical perspective, as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, it's really important for us to understand that in God's economy, you don't have endless choices. You really only have two. And from the biblical perspective, the only choices that we have are, will we surrender to what is called the flesh? In the Greek, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X. Are we going to surrender to the flesh, or are we going to surrender to the spirit? And beyond that, there really are no endless choices. In fact, it's, it's often a deception of the enemy for you to believe that you've got all these endless choices because what the enemy wants to do is to have you in a position of you are, you are bound by sin, but in that binding, in being trapped in that power of sin, you feel like you have endless choices. The problem is, is that they just all lead to death. 
And you might even think that you're leading a virtuous life and you're doing good things, at least in comparison to other people or comparison to the world. That's not very hard to do today as you look around the world to think that you're virtuous. And yet all of these endless choices you have are a mirage. And so Paul tells us that we've got to come back to this truth that we either surrender to the flesh, which is decaying, it's dying, it's misordered desires, it's leading to, to heartache, that even our best possible choices that we can make still lead to, to destruction. Now, I think about in the 1980s, I don't remember, can't remember if I shared this example with you before, but in the 1980s and early 90s, there was this big push to feed Africa. You remember that? And all the world, the free world, was trying to get together and pile up our resources to feed the hungry people in Africa. And they do these food drops, and they did all these concerts, and they were doing all these things. And it seemed so wonderful and virtuous. And it, I have to believe for most people it had good intentions until the next generation of Africans grew up and they had lost the ability to farm. To me, that, that's a great example of being, having choice but being trapped so that our, even our best choices lead to decay and destruction. And so Paul lays out this idea that we have freedom in Christ, but it's not freedom of choice. It's a different kind of freedom. So what does that freedom look like? It's freedom first from the law. Way back in Exodus, God establishes a covenant with the people. And the, the center of that covenant is the giving of the law. And they're bound to that law, but the whole point of that covenant was to establish for them that they would never be able to keep the law. And that we would need someone who would keep the law perfectly, who is Jesus. And Jesus comes, and he's the only one who's ever fulfilled the law perfectly, so that by faith we enter into God's kingdom by virtue of what he's done, not by what we've done. And so we're free from that law. We're also free for life in Christ. Paul says that Christ lives in us and we live in Christ. And that we become a new person, a new creation. So that the way that I think and the way that I feel, uh, the attitudes, my worldview, my desires are literally being changed day by day as Christ lives in me. And if Christ lives in me, I'm going to inherit what belongs to him. So I'm free for life in Christ. And then I'm also, I'm free to live that transformed life empowered by the Holy Spirit. You and I have an inheritance coming to us as we live in Christ that we will enter into God's kingdom. And the down payment of that promise is that we are given the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit literally empowers us to think as God wants us to think, to feel as God wants us to feel, to act as God wants us to act. But even in that, that gift that God gives us, we still have that choice, but it's the single choice. Every day, am I going to surrender to the Spirit or will I surrender to the flesh? And, I, and it's a choice, and, and Paul tells us that it's really, it's not a choice between good and bad. It's a choice between death and life. In fact, that even appears way back in Deuteronomy. As God gives the law, Moses tells them it's a choice between death and life. And this is the choice that we make. I'm going to choose to this dying, broken, sinful flesh, 
or the power, understanding, the ability to serve God in the Spirit. I want to be free for that life and free from death. And as we choose to surrender to the Holy Spirit, something happens in us. It changes us. And this is where we pick up on the fruit of the Spirit. So in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13, this is what Paul says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You notice our definition of freedom is to do whatever you want. And what does Paul say? You are free not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So here Paul gives us two representative lists. A list that represents life in the flesh, a list that represents life in the spirit. They're not exhaustive. I mean, we could add to the list that he has on the deeds, the acts of the flesh. I mean, there's, what about murder? What about stealing? Uh, lying? There, there are others. And we could add to the list that he has for the fruit of the spirit. I mean, what about wisdom? Uh, what about charity? Uh, there are others that we could talk about. Faith. There are things that, that are also fruits of the Spirit. He's not trying to give us an exhaustive list. He's trying to make a point by giving us a representative list that there's life dictated by the flesh and there's life dictated by the Spirit. And that they are conflict in conflict with each other. All right, so here's the big idea that I want you to get. And then we're going to come back and, and kind of flesh it out a little bit. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we tend to, to list them out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we list them out as if they're exercises that we need to work on. And we list them out and we say, well, I'm going to tackle it one at a time. I'm going to work on love this year. I'm going to work on joy. I'm going to work on patience. Be careful if you ask for that. All right, like... We, we think that they're attributes that we are going to develop by our effort 
and that we can develop them one at a time. What I want you to understand is that as fruit of the Spirit, it's an all or none kind of deal. You don't get to pick and choose which ones you want to work on because it doesn't come from you. It is a fruit of the Spirit that is given to you by the grace of God. You are either receiving it and surrendered to it or you're not. These are not tools in your toolbox that you pull out and try to utilize. And so we need to understand it comes back to that idea of freedom that I am making the choice, the only choice that I have, that I'm surrendering to the Spirit of God. And as I surrender to that Spirit of God, there is growing in me a transforming work by the power of God where these things are going to be displayed. All right, let's take a deeper look. So what does Paul say about this? The first thing I want us to see is that he calls the, the, the list of the flesh, the things of the flesh, he, what does he call them? Your Bible might say deeds uh, or it might say acts. These are behaviors that we choose to surrender to that are things that are they're flowing out of who we are, but they are choices that we make. So these are practices, and people who practice these things, who give themselves over to them, he says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's where we need to be safe. There might be times where a believer, a spirit-filled believer, in a moment might do one of these things. Does that mean at that moment that you have forfeited the hope of heaven? No. That's why Paul says people who practice these, that word practice that Paul uses, it has a connotation of an ongoing commitment. That I, these are descriptive these are characteristic of a life lived day after day where these things are increasing in your life. The flip side of that is that the fruit of the Spirit will be things that increase in the life of a believer. Am I becoming more and more loving? Am I becoming more and more joyful? Am I becoming more and more patient, more and more kind, more and more generous as the Spirit grows in me, as I continue to, to learn how to surrender to God's work? So the first, the acts of the flesh, they are deeds. They, they are things that are chosen by people who are not surrendered to God. Tangible behaviors that harm us, they harm those around us, they harm the world. And when we're living by the acts of the flesh, you might be able to choose virtue for a little while. But we grow weary, we grow tired, we gr it grows difficult for us. And eventually, the true nature will come forth. But on the other side, there are the, the, this list of the spiritual, what does he call it? The fruit, not deeds, not acts. There's a distinction here that this list are not things that we choose to do, but these things are a product of something that has happened underneath the surface. I mean, if I were to take an apple tree, am I ever going to get pears from that apple tree? No, right? Uh, if I were to take an orange tree, am I ever going to get bananas from that orange tree? There's nothing I can ever do 
to make that happen. Because at the heart, under the surface, the roots of that tree are growing an orange tree. That the fruit would be oranges, not bananas. It doesn't matter how much I try to dress it up or I can, you know, call it a banana tree or I, I can do all those kind of things, but it will never be that. Because the fruit is not a choice of what it wants to be. It's a, it's a, a product of what the tree really is. And that's what Paul is saying. These are not choices. You don't choose to be loving. You don't choose to be joyful. You can for a moment, a season even. But that doesn't mean that you are loving or that you are joyful or that you are patient. That means you're making a choice in a moment to act in a way that doesn't align with who you really are. And so this fruit, it's not like the, the deeds, the, the acts of the flesh. It's completely different because that's the power of sin in our life. Because of the power of sin, we can't choose these things. That sin has to be cut off. That sin has to die. We have to die with Christ so that we can rise with him and inherit his spirit, his spirit given to us that now we have been changed and this is the product. I say all the time, I don't want to white knuckle it through life. You ever seen somebody trying so hard at something and their fists are clenched and their knuckles turn white because they're trying so hard? I don't want to live life that way. What an exhausting way to live and unproductive. Because at the end of the day, if I act all these ways, but I haven't become these things, then I've actually accomplished nothing. And so what we want is the fruit of the Spirit, a change inside so that it is a result, it's a product. And the only way we can do that is to stay connected to the source. I think about, you know, John's gospel talks about that Jesus says, abide in me. You can do nothing apart from me. We must stay connected to the vine that we can continue to bear much fruit. And so here's the keys. These are not choices we make for specific behaviors, but it's a surrendering to the spirit that's going to naturally bring it. And in that, the spirit brings all of it. So I want us to just kind of have that in mind. We're going to talk about each of these over the next couple of weeks but as we talk about them, I don't want us to fall back into that trap of, I got to work on joy this week, dadgummit. I want us to, each week as we talk about this, say, Lord, I want this to be descriptive of who I am because of what you're doing in me. And keep coming back to that single choice. I choose you. I want to surrender to you. So let me ask you, in your life, in your heart, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Are you trying to act like a virtuous person? Are you trying to make yourself be somebody? Or are you becoming a new person in Christ? Where you grow and you increase in the power and the knowledge and the understanding. Where your life is marked by an increasing faith and an increasing maturity. It really, really breaks my heart when, when I think about the American church and I think about all the people who show up, who do the things, and they have agreement with the gospel, but they've never surrendered to the gospel. And they don't know the difference. And Jesus tells us, 
that we will know them by their fruit. And as we look at people who even have agreement with the gospel, but we look, they're not growing in faith. They're not growing in maturity. That should be alarming. And so my question to you, I'm not going to call anybody out. That's between you and the Lord. But are you growing in faith? Are you growing in maturity? Or is it just a lot of effort? So my challenge to us is to surrender, give God control, confess that Jesus is Savior and Lord, concede control over to him, and just say, Lord, I want to be faithful today. I want you to be in control of my life today. So I want to close out with a little exercise. You, you can close your eyes or leave them open. It doesn't matter. Um, but I want everybody to take your hands, and I want you to put your palms down out in front of you. And we're going to go into a little prayer time together. So as you got your hands out in front of you, Here's our prayer. Lord, we want to be men of God. We want to have the hope of heaven, eternal salvation. But we also want to have transformed hearts. And Lord, we confess to you that we go through much of our life holding on to control and the things that we think are so very important. And we hold on to choices that we think are ours to make. And they get us into a lot of trouble. Father, many of us are carrying anxiety and stress because we hold on to those choices. Many of us have broken families because we hold on to those choices. Lord, many of us have doubts and fears because we hold on to those choices. Holy Spirit, we pray that you administer to us And right now, Lord, we let go of those things that we've been holding on to so tightly. With our hands open, Lord, we drop them to the ground. We surrender them to you. We no longer want them. We do not want the mirage of control. We want the truth of the life that you give. Holy Spirit, help us to let those things go right now. Lord, issues of pride, issues of fear, anxiety, relationship things that we might be walking through, financial concerns, arrogance and pride, Lord, that has welled up in us, anger, frustration and bitterness. Lord, we we release it. We let it go. Father, we want to be able to come to you with open hands. Understanding that freedom is not all the choices, but freedom is the ability to live without bondage. So we do come to you with our hands released of the things that we've been holding on to. I'm going to ask you to turn your palms up to the ceiling. Lord, now that we've released those things that have been a barrier between you and us, we now come with open hands to receive what you have to give. We want the fruit of the Spirit. 
We want the Spirit to be living fully in us. And we come to receive these things, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, we don't want these to be things that we strive for, but we want them to be planted in our hearts. Our hands open to you, Lord, knowing that we need desperately for you to do what only you can do. We're here to receive it fully. Our hearts and our minds and our spirits are fully open and surrendered to you. God, we know that the what we need is not to be a good person, but we are dead people who need to come to life in Christ. We receive Jesus. We confess Jesus as, as Savior and Lord. We open ourselves and we beg you, Father, to save us from our sin and death. Any of us, Lord, who have not received you, I pray, Father, that we would receive you by faith right now. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. God, help us to understand the truth that we are the temple of God, that we are filled with your spirit, that we are not continuing to live in sin and death, but we've been transformed. Let us not settle for anything less than the abundant life you have for us. And so our hands are open to receive. Whatever it is, Lord, that you need to say to us or do in us right now, we quietly sit before you and ask that you would give to us what you have to give. As you'll raise your hands up, Father, because of the life that you give to us, the hope that you give to us, we praise you. We honor you. Lord, our whole lives and the salvation you give are for your glory. Everything we do and say and think and feel is for your glory. God, to honor you, let our lives be poured out as an act of worship for you because of what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.